All right. Good morning, everybody. How's it going today? Come on, wave at me. Did you get enough coffee? You guys did good. You, you got through the whole losing an hour thing. You know, I have an idea for this. I don't think we should. I know I'm getting booze from the back already because I was telling the early people, but I need believers. I need dreamers to come support my vision for the future. I think we should just get rid of the whole spring forward thing. Just get rid of it. We're just going to fall back. Now, now wait, now I'm, I'm a dreamer, right? I have a GSV, a God-sized vision. We're not just going to fall back once a year. We're going to fall back monthly, weekly. Come on. I know people are like, you're crazy. No, but people thought that Benjamin Franklin and George Washington and people like that were crazy. But look, America's here because of men like that. So just believe with me here for a moment. What if we just fell back and then every once in a while we just, uh, we just moved it like 20 hours behind to stay in daylight? I mean, we can do this, you guys. We're in charge. Right? As human beings. Okay, no, okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to jump in. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I need some more sleep before I start trying to mess with the entire calendar and all that. So good to see you guys today. Welcome, Joy Church UO on video. Good to have you guys with us this morning. For those of you that don't realize, today is our birthday as a church. It's our second birthday. All right. Woo! So two years ago, wasn't even a Sunday morning, it was a Sunday night, we, we started Joy Church in Bethany in my living room uh, up on the hill in South Eugene. Uh, we don't even live there anymore, but we started the church there in the living room. And raise your hand if you were there on that night. Some of you guys are here. That's awesome. So exciting. Uh, it, was a, it was a crazy time. It was cool. It was great. Just fresh. God doing something brand new in the city. And now we're here together at the movie theater over at UO, two services, all the wonderful things God's doing. And so how else do you celebrate amazing spiritual growth momentum other than having cake? I, mean, I can't think of a better way. So we have cake for you after service. And I know it's like, it's 10 in the morning. Why are we going to eat cake? But you have my permission. The guy that brought you falling back, not springing forward, is also saying you can eat cake uh, in the morning and no one will judge you that much. You know, it's eat at your own risk, whatever, but you can have cake. So we're excited to be celebrating our second year birthday. So excited to be coming into this season uh, with Easter Sunday approaching. And Easter Sunday, uh, if you know, in, in kind of the church world is a big day because there are some people, I call them eco-Christians, right? They're Easter and Christian only. Or Easter and Christmas only, sorry. They go to church on those days, but that's okay because we, we, people that want to experience uh, something real, something life-giving, somebody looking for hope, looking for answers, they come on Easter. So we're excited as a church to welcome all the people that are going to come on Easter. And we're not just going to welcome them, we're going out there to get them, right? So this whole series in the month of March that we've been in is called Irresistible. And we're talking about the irresistible goodness and grace, glory of God, and reaching out to other people, to, to, to see them come to faith, to see them come into a relationship with Jesus. How many of you enjoyed last week with Pastor Randy that was here? Yeah, that was good, huh? Pastor Randy's like putting your mouth against a fire hydrant and turning it on. You know, it's just this, this amazing passion, incredible time. Uh, those of you that were able to make it on Sunday night, we had a great time with him as well, uh, talking about evangelism. But that's what we're talking about in this series. And just to kind of remind everybody where we've been in the series and what we're talking about, uh, we as a church, Joy Church, we are not a spectator church, okay? So if this is your first time here, first of all, welcome, have some donuts. But you know what? I cannot wait for the time when you go, man, this is my home. I'm going to jump in. I get full refrigerator rights and I'm a servant and I'm, I'm somebody that gets to, uh, I want to I be a participant. We're a participation church, not a spectator church. Come on. 
shouting me a little bit. It's Sunday morning. All right. So we're, we're not just a church that, that wants to come and sit and, and sing nice songs and listen to, you know, mediocre sermons from the pastor. No, we don't want to do that. We want to participate in what God is doing in our community. Come on. That's why we started the church. Because we believe that God has a vision for the city of Eugene, a vision for Lane County, for Springfield. God has a vision, not just for our area, but for the world. And we know that, that when you plant a new church, that's one of the best ways to reach people for Christ. That's not just my opinion. That's, that's backed up by statistics and, and data. And so we're here on a mission to reach people for Christ. We're here to make disciples, follow the mission of Jesus. Now, as we talk about that in this series, most people that have been following Jesus for any period of time, they want to share their faith. How many of you say, I want to share my faith, but I don't necessarily always know how? It's hard, right? You walk up to somebody awkwardly, excuse me, sir, can I tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I mean, it's a little difficult, right? That mortifies me. I'm actually an introvert. For three hours on Sundays, I'm extroverted. So you get to see the extroverted part of me when I get up here and talk in front of people. But normally I, I hide in dark rooms and read books. And I'm like, what are you doing in here? Ah, turn the light off. You know, that's, that's kind of my normal. You can laugh at that. So uh, my normal thing, but whoa, I don't remember what I was talking about. Yeah, sharing your faith. Thank you so much. All right. So for many people, the idea of talking to a stranger, the idea of approaching someone and, and talking about eternity, talking about religion, talking about their faith is an incredibly difficult thing. And so what we're doing in this series is kind of breaking that paradigm, kind of saying, look, it's a different mindset it's not so much you sort of awkwardly walking up to somebody and, and kind of engaging them. You can do that, and some people are good at that. But we're talking about letting the goodness of God so fill our lives that it spills over and that we become attractive, that people begin to ask us about our faith, that they begin to say, there's something about you. There's something in your life, and it's kind of irresistible. Come on, there's a, mag a magnetism. There's something that draws people and so let me tell you my goal today, as we go into this message today in this irresistible series, my goal today is that you would leave here ridiculously encouraged. Come on. Sometimes people go to church and they're like, well, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to hear a message and I'm going to feel worse about myself. And that's not going to happen today. Uh, it's not going to happen today. Even as we talk about evangelism, this is not a message about, hey, you need to do this better. Hey, you need to do this. If you learn this skill, you could be awesome like me at evangelism. No, like that's not what we're talking about today. Today, I want to talk about how incredibly good God is, and I believe you're going to leave here incredibly encouraged, just absolutely inspired at how amazing the God that we serve is. See, I think the most important person that a follower of Jesus can ever preach the gospel to is not anybody else, it's to yourself. Every follower of Jesus, the very first thing that we should do in the morning is wake up, look ourselves in the mirror, maybe give yourself a compliment, looking good today. Did you lose weight? I did. Not. <laughs> <laughs> and then begin to preach the gospel to ourselves. Now, maybe you don't actually talk to yourself in the mirror, but at least in your head, say, hey, remember what God did for you. Remember the chains. Remember the darkness. Remember the brokenness that you were in. Remember the place that you were in when you heard the message of Jesus. Come on, somebody. When you heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus, and begin to remind yourself about that. I love this verse in Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Somebody say good. good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There's this invitation that comes through the scriptures, an invitation that comes to come and find out how awesome God is. How many of you like it when a new restaurant opens and they're like, come taste and see because this is good, right? 
I, I recently went to Bill and Tim's Barbecue over on 13th, and I'd never been there before. And I'm like, this place is good. Oh, yeah, we were there together. Thanks, guys. They evangelized me, and I went. And now I'm a believer. And I don't, I'm not like, I don't do things halfway. Like, I'm like, Bill and Tim's, Bill and Tim's, Bill and Tim's, you know. So I took Randy there last week. But I went to this new restaurant, and I got to taste and see that it is good. And it's not just good, it's really good. You know what I mean? It's good stuff. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. A couple weeks ago, Pastor PJ Booth from Ireland was here. You guys remember him? Pretty awesome. And Pastor PJ said, every person has a picture of God. They have a theology. It's their tapestry, their view of God, how they see God, right? And depending on how a person sees God, how a person views God, how a person kind of interacts with that image is, is going to affect Uh, so much of their life. And I'm here to tell you today that your view of God, your theology, whether it's sort of written down or completely uh, uh, brought out into the open, or maybe it's just something that you sort of think on the inside, that your view of God is probably not, even if you've been following Jesus for a long time, it's probably not as good as it should be. See, I think so many times we allow our own sinfulness or brokenness to shape our view of God. And so we say, man, I'm really unworthy. I'm really fallen. I'm really broken. I have a lot of mistakes and failures in my life. And therefore, God must be looking at me and viewing me as I see myself as a failure, as a reject, as somebody who's insecure, that God must be seeing me as a sinner. He must be seeing me in this way. And we're actually doing a disservice to God because God's goodness is so much greater than our insecurity, than our brokenness and our failure. Come on. I'm preaching good today, guys. I'm going hear some amens or something right here. Yeah, come on. There we go. So our view of God, I, I believe that, that maybe, maybe you came in here today and you're like, God's awesome. I love God. God is so good. Oh, he's so good to me. I think you're going to leave today and say, you know what? I, I, w- I wasn't even close. God is so amazing. So amazing. How many of you have children or you've had children in the past and some of them have survived into adulthood? You didn't eliminate them. Okay. So Right now, Bethany and I are in the season in our life where our kids are, are young. So we have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And it's amazing to me how short their memories are. I mean, you might know where I'm going with this, but like we can literally go to McDonald's and be like, here's a Happy Meal, and here's ice cream, and there's literally ice cream on their faces, right? And then like 10 seconds outside of the driveway of McDonald's, it's like, what, what are we going to do now? We're doing it. You know, what, what do you mean, what are we going to do now? This is the event. Well, what's, what are we going to do today, Dad? We, we just did it. <laughs> Yesterday, at Bethany was at the women's conference in Medford, and so I was solo dadding once more. And uh, I crushed it. I'm going to be honest with you. I did. I crushed it. And I made her dinner last night, and I didn't make it in a microwave. It was ginger garlic stir-fry. All right, humble bread. Okay, so... <laughs> Anyways, I'd say, I'm like, kids, we're going to, you know, we're going to clean the house, get ready for mom to come home and all. And, but I'm going to take you guys to, I'm going to give you a treat. Uh, I'm going to take you guys to the mall that you play on the playground. And then afterwards, we're going to McDonald's and they're like, yay. You know, and they're jumping around and Penny's, oh, when Penny gets excited, she screams like a barbarian. Oh, I mean, she literally does. And it's, she's scary. So it's our two-year-old. They're really excited. And we go, to, we go to the mall, they play, they, they're running around and goofing off and, you know, fighting other kids and having a blast. 
And then we go to McDonald's and I get them hamburger and French fries and they're excited about that. But literally in the car, Penny's crying. So we've just been at the playground. Now we're going home and you're going to eat McDonald's. But in between McDonald's and the house, she's hungry. So she's mad. Ah, I'm hungry. I have food right here, honey. It's right here. We just have to get home and then you can eat it. I'm hungry now. Such a short memory, right? And then right after we're done with that, so we finish up, okay? I get Jack and I get Penny in in bed for their nap. Praise Jesus for naps. And Evie doesn't take naps anymore because she's six. She's, you know, sophisticated now. So all growing up at six years old. And she doesn't take a nap. So she's hanging out with me. And I'm like, honey, you know, I had her lay down for a few minutes, hoping maybe that the gods would smile upon me and she would just fall asleep or something, but not to be. So she comes into my office and I'm in there and I'm like, what are you doing in here? So she, I'm like, hey, you can sit down, you can wait, whatever. And so she sits down. And I'm like, here's mom's iPad. Here, watch a movie. That's a babysitter when dads are watching the kids. She's there for about 20 seconds. And then she looks up, she's like, dad, I'm bored. Honey, my life goal is not to be your cruise director. I'm not just entertaining you every second of the day. I said, you have to figure it out. Entertain yourself. The problem with that is that when you set your kids free in the house to go entertain themselves... They do. The problem is that you have to clean up the entertainment later. So there's paintings and things like that. Anyways, such a short memory. And you think about this with kids, their thankfulness buckets, they leak, don't they? But you know what? We think, oh, kids, 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 oh, they're so funny, they forget. And yet, aren't we the same way with God? Don't you and I experience the richness and the glory and the grace of God? I mean, even even just taking the moment of salvation when you first heard the good news of Jesus and what that did in your life and the transformation and all the good things that came out of that. And yet, so many times we're like, what has God done for me lately? Well, yeah, but I don't have the job I want or my wife said this to me and I'm upset or whatever is happening. But I, And I have, to, I have to be honest with you and I hope you'd be honest with me in this moment that I think I'm actually worse than my kids because as thankful, you know, they're kids, right? They're six and four and two and they're developing and they're growing. I'm a, I'm a grown man and yet I am so forgetful when it comes to the goodness of God. And here's the problem because we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about reaching people and proclaiming the good news. Why would somebody want to serve a God or come to know a God that you don't even seem like you want to know? How many times do we share our faith with a frown. Did I say that right? Share our faith with a frown. How many times do we, you know, hey, I go to church and maybe you could come, I guess. You know, what are the, thank you. Don't do it. Don't do it. But, but maybe you're not even actually actually telling somebody in that moment to come with you to church or to meet Jesus. Maybe, maybe they just see you in your life. Come on. As you take your kids to school, as you go to to work, as you buy coffee, and and is there a joy, an irrepressible, irresistible sense of the goodness of God at work in your life? Or is there kind of a meh? See, it's not, and I'm not talking about putting on an act. I want you to understand this, because you can get this thing, oh, he's saying be fake. You know, let's all act like everything's perfect all the time. Nobody likes people like that. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you don't have bad days. We've had some bad days recently. I'm talking about the fact that when you understand and feel and believe and know the gospel of Jesus and it's on the inside of you, something is different about your life. Come on, somebody. Something changes where even when you're going through something difficult, something hard, 
you hear bad news or somebody, something's going on in your life that you interact with people and the love and the grace and goodness of God is so there at the surface that it, it bleeds over, it spills over onto people. Come on, irresistible. And what would it look like if we as followers of Jesus, we got the gospel, we believed the gospel, we saw and knew the goodness of God and we didn't forget it. We let it shine out of our lives. What would that look like? It'd be a powerful thing. I want to read to you one of my favorite passages of scripture all time. I love this passage of scripture. It's, it's a psalm of David, it's Psalm 103. It's a song of praise. It's a song about the goodness of God. And David goes through and just says, these are some of the most amazing things about God. And I think this is going to be very encouraging to you. Now, I might not have time to go through every part of this today. So we'll figure that out. I might do it next week if we don't have time today. I won't just abuse your time. We'll, we'll, we actually will finish on time. But I think this is so rich and so encouraging. I want you to read it with me. And we're just going to read through together. And then I'll go back through and make some notes and just talk about some of the benefits that he lists here. David says in Psalms 103 verse 1, let all that I am praise the Lord. I could preach right now on that. We're going to move on. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Listen to this. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Come on, praise the Lord. Super Bowl winning eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry. He's filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins far, as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. Lord Jesus, I pray that in this moment as we interact with and engage with your word, God, as we look into the scriptures, that our hearts would be transformed. That, Lord, we wouldn't be like that person that looks in a mirror and forgets as they walk away what they look like. But Lord, we would look into your word. It would impact us, God. It would, it would transform us from the inside out and that we would leave here today with a deeper understanding of how incredibly good you are so that we may reflect that goodness to the people around us in Jesus' name. David says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Let all that I am. Let me just tell you something. Worship is not what we do on Sunday mornings. Worship is how we live. Worship is the total response of your soul, your body, your money, your time. Everything you've got is your worship, what you live out on a daily basis. The greatest worshipers aren't the people that lift their hands the highest on Sundays. It's the people that get down lowest on their knees on Monday morning when nobody's watching. The greatest worshipers are those that serve those around him. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget. What's David saying here? It's easy to forget. Our thankfulness bucket leaks as we go through life. We're walking through life and hard things happen and God fills us up. 
But as we're going along, that sort of drips out. And sometimes we find that our bucket is empty. Come on. How many of you know life, it, 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 it drains you of your energy, of, your, of compassion, of thankfulness. May never forget the good things he does for me. And David goes in and he says, listen, let me tell you some of the good things that come from a relationship with God. He says, number one, he forgives all my sins. This is amazing news because every person has been separated from God, disconnected from their intrinsic purpose and the, the relationship that literally gives your essence meaning. Sin is what has separated us from God. Sin means to miss the mark. Sin is our mistakes, our failures, the things that have hurt God, hurt other people, and hurt ourselves. And it says here right away, God forgives my sins. The result of sin is death, and the manifestation of sin is brokenness. And so David goes on, he says, yes, God forgives your sins. God deals with the source, but then he says he also heals all your diseases. This is saying that God not only deals with the source, but he deals with the symptoms, with the problems that come from sin, right? As we know, sin in our world, even in a cosmic sense, has brought brokenness. You want to know where war and disease and school shootings and all these kind of problems come from? They come from sin, from the brokenness that started even all the way back in the Garden of Eden, the manifestation that comes. And it says, God heals all my diseases. God heals the disease of our body. He heals the diseases of our soul and our spirit. Our mental diseases, the, uh, the problems in our thinking. God is not just about your redemption when you die. He's about your restoration here on this planet. Come on. And as a part of the church of Jesus, we are called on a mission to bring restoration into the world. But how can we bring restoration to the world if we're not experiencing the restoration of God in our personal lives? Let me just tell you right now, does God heal every person's disease that I've ever prayed for? No, and I don't know why. We could go through the theology of that, but I still pray for healing physically. When, I, when somebody's sick, we still pray. I can tell you that God does heal though. Come on. Does God heal the soul? Absolutely. How many of you have had God heal your soul? Maybe you had a broken marriage or broken relationships and you come into God and, and God begins to work something deep inside of you that nobody else can do. You can't read a book or watch Oprah or Dr. Phil and get the healing that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Come on, I could preach all day on that. He's a healer. He's a restorer. He's a, he, he binds the wounds. He, he takes broken dreams and gives you a future in return. Man, he's good. Come on, tell somebody that God is good. I don't usually have people do awkward stuff like that, but I'm just excited today, so. Verse four, he redeems me from death. I heard a comedian one time say, why are all these doctors wasting time trying to cure cancer and AIDS and hepatitis and all these diseases? He's like, the real problem is people is death. <laughs> so if we cure that one, right? <laughs> and he's right. And you know what? He's actually right theologically because the wages of sin is death. The ultimate destiny of sin is that it leads you to death, death relationally, spiritually, but also physically. And one of the greatest benefits, in fact, the, 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 the significant benefit of the gospel is not that God, if you, if you come to Jesus and give your life to Jesus, you can have a marginally better life or you can go to heaven when you die. No, the gift, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And it's not just eternal life in that you live forever as a quantity of life. It's also a quality of life. The Zoe, spiritual life, this abundant, overflowing 
life you were meant to live, the life that God created you to live, that kind of eternal quality of life, God wants to give that to you. Those of you that have have come into a relationship with Jesus and become a follower of Jesus, you've experienced it, you've tasted it, that eternal kind of life that begins to live in you. But what's so cool about being a follower of Jesus is that death doesn't get the final say. See, whether God heals you of cancer or whatever disease you have right now when you're 50 or 60 or 70, at some point you will die of something. Come on. You're like, what? I thought you said I was going to be encouraged. Well, hell, that's not the good news yet. Just wait. <laughs> at some point you will die, okay? Unless Jesus comes back first. But here's the good news. Jesus went down when he died on the cross and he kicked down the door of death and he took the keys. And so when you are in Christ, at the end of all things, when God comes back, the story of Christianity is that death itself is going to go into the lake of fire. And you're going to live forever in the new heavens and the new earth, in a place without brokenness and despair and pain. Come on, this is good stuff. He redeems me from death. See, when you have fear in life, ultimately it's connected to the brokenness of sin and this fear of death that's coming. It's sort of this impending doom. You, you, you kind of know what I mean? As you think about your future, you're like, oh, I don't want to get old. Oh, I'm thinking about my, the, the, the far into the future, the unknown. And when you're in Christ, you don't have to be afraid because ultimately you will be redeemed, bought back from death and given eternal life. It says in verse four, he redeems me from death and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. In the, in the original language here, this word crowns, it's the word encompasses. It means to surround. It's like if somebody, you ever been to the ball pit at McDonald's or one of those places and you jump in and then you're just like in there? Number one, that's disgusting because there's communicable diseases in there. Um, I've, I've, been, I've seen them, they're, they're gross. But to get the image, you, you know what I mean, is that you're completely encompassed. You're surrounded 360 degrees. You're all the way on the inside. And that's what God does when he crowns us. He encompasses us, surrounds us with his love and tender mercies. How many of us need to just get our vision of God shifted today? Because here's what we think about God. We think that God from time to time is like, hey, Rob, you know, I want to love you. I want to encourage you. But here's all the things that are wrong with you. Hey, uh, you know, Jennifer, here's all the things. You're, yeah, you're doing this is good, but I want to deal with this in your life, and I don't like that, and this part of you. And we, we think of God as sort of an accountant, and maybe you have that, that sort of keeping track of all of what's wrong with us, don't we? And we think of God as, as like, well, he's working me in this process. So we, and we have these images of God, and they're not all the way wrong, but they're mistaken because they're, they're seeing God's goodness at far too low of a level. The reality is that you are absolutely encompassed, surrounded with love and tender mercy. Meaning that no matter how screwed up you are, like, hello, welcome to the human race, the person sitting next to you might look clean and nice and good, but I know all of you guys, and no, we're, we're all a mess. And so am I. And I'm not just saying we're all a mess, like we never work through things or grow or mature in our faith. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, though, at a deep level, there's, there's stuff in our life, come on, if we're honest, right, that God is processing and working in us. But, but you, you know, if we see God as sort of keeping track and he's doing all this stuff, no, God is surrounding us with love and tender mercy. God is crazy about you. He loves you. Anything he challenges you in is only for your absolute good. Come on. Surrounded with love and tender mercy. Somebody needs that today. You're surrounded with love and tender mercy. Verse five, we're not even halfway done. I mean, come on, this is a good list right here. 
I, I, we're going to get to the part where it says God judges us and keeps track of everything. No, I'm kidding. It's not in here. Verse 5, it says, He fills my life with good things. He fills my life with good things. This is incredible. We forget this, but everything good on this planet comes from God. God created music. God created food and drink. God created play. God created sex. God created symphonies. God created stars. God created science fiction. All my geeks, where are you at? God put creativity and wove it into people that would write beautiful songs and plays and and, and paint masterpieces. I mean, everything good about life comes from God and God's desire and his heartbeat is to fill your life with those good things. So many people have the wrong perspective of God. They think, well, God wants me to basically learn how to be uh, bummed out most of the time and be happy about it. That's not the gospel. God wants you, your life to be filled with good things. Everything good comes from God. In James 1, 17, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. What a beautiful message. Now listen, guys, I told you we might not have time and, and to get through it all, and we don't. So I'm going to give you one more thing today, and then I'll think about next week finishing this message. I have other messages I want to do, so we'll just have a vote on Facebook. Like, do you want to hear the end of this one, or do you want to <laughs> go to step two? You guys enjoying this today? How many would say, I am encouraged today? God is more good than I thought. It's not good grammar, but God is better than I think, than I thought he was. Last one. Fills our life with good things. And then I love this one here. My youth is renewed like the eagles. You want me to tell you one of the most beautiful things about being a Christian? One of the most beautiful things about a relationship with God? Is that as you walk through the process of death that, that a fallen human has to walk through, we call that getting old. And you're like, don't be mean to the old people. No, I'm not. Every one of us from the moment we're born as a beautiful infant baby my beautiful children, the day they were born, they were born into a world of death and they started a process of death, right? The beautiful thing about God, though, is that as his eternal life comes into you, his, your youth is renewed. And though your body is actually going to die at some point, you will be resurrected, yes, in the new heaven and the new earth. But though your body is actually in this process of death and you're getting older, and we all get this, right? I wake up some mornings and I'm only 33, but I'm like, why is my knee doing that? It's not working today, you know? My eye's twitching and I can't figure it out. And you know what I'm talking about, right? But on the inside, when you're a follower of Jesus, I don't care if you're 80, 90, 100 years old, your youth is renewed like, an, like the eagles. There's, a, there's a, a youth, a fountain of life, a fountain of living water that is on the inside of you and serving God keeps you young. Some of the most beautiful people in my life, and I just love them, Absolutely. Even some of the older ones that I've known that have gone to be with the Lord. There's a man named Lou Peterson that was a wonderful man. And I remember hearing Lou, and I think he was in his late 80s. He had Alzheimer's. And Lou could not function very well uh, in normal life. But when he would get up to, to share the word of God, when he would get up to minister, it would change and his mind would be restored. And he could speak with clarity and purpose. And it was like in the presence of God, he was a young man again. How powerful and amazing is that? When you're serving God, you don't ever have to get old. Your body might die, but your spirit is young and alive. 
You're, you're that person. And then when you walk through the pearly gates, you're going to have that beautiful young body. Come on. I didn't look at myself saying I'm beautiful and young. Maybe young, not, maybe not so beautiful, but you're going to walk through those gates and you're going to get that restored, resurrected body at the end of all things. But even now, even as you walk through the process of death, the beautiful thing about the gospel is that eternal life has invaded your soul and your spirit and you don't have to calcify on the inside. You don't have to get old and decrepit and broken on the inside that you are fresh and young in the spirit of God. Come on. And how many of you over, over 30, just make it nice and young, would say, I know what you're talking about. Because God keeps me young as I serve him. There's a, there's a future and a hope. There's another day that tomorrow's gonna be better than today. Come on, we're not just moving forward into a bleak future. No, in Christ, we're moving forward to the new heavens and the new earth and we're participating with God to see his kingdom come and his will be done. I remember a man in Medford, he, he's passed away now, but an amazing guy that didn't go to our church in Medford, but I would run into him at different things around town and his name was Norm. Norm was an awesome guy. Norm was about 84, 85 years old. Just had this crazy looking curly red hair, like a mullet kind of thing. I mean, really funky. I think he, it was cool maybe in like 68 or something, and then he just kept it. Uh, and Norm was just the funkiest dude ever. And Norm was amazing because he'd come up and he'd be like, young people, how you doing today? Are you excited about the Lord? Are you, are you passionate about God? And we're like, oh, you're so weird. But everybody secretly thought he was just the boss of the boss. You know what I mean? Norm was just so cool. And Norm would, would do all this stuff. He had all these great quotes. He'd say, you know, I don't read the nudie naughty book. I read the goody gaudy book. <laughs> That's a good life advice, right? <laughs> Stuck with me. Hey, don't read the nudie naughty book. Read the goody gaudy book. Norm would say, if you got the good book, you're never going to get shook. Right? And he would say, I'm not weird. I'm just wired. <laughs> like, you're actually, you're pretty weird. <laughs> He'd get down, 84 years old, be like, I'm 84, watch this. We start doing push-ups. You know what I remember about that guy? Even though I didn't know him super well, I know this. There was something about him that he was young. He was fresh because he was in the will of God. He was serving God. And he lived his, light in the light, lived his life in the light of God's goodness. You want to stay fresh? You want to stay young? Live your life. Don't forget his benefits. Soak in it. Let it pour into you. Come on, there's so much more in this passage. We got through five verses, so maybe we'll, we'll pick it up next week, but we're going to move on today. What if our evangelism, what if our sharing of our faith came out of that place of remembering the goodness of God? Be absolutely powerful. Let me give you two steps today, action steps to put this into play. Number one, I want to challenge every one of you that's a follower of Jesus. And even if you're not, you can do this. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I'd like you to get Psalm 103 this week. Probably something that you should do all the time. Get that passage and print it out or just get it in your Bible and go through and begin to meditate every morning and pull something out every day. Maybe it's the redeemed from death. Maybe it's that he's renewing my youth like an eagle and, and take that for yourself and say, man, that's my promise today. And I'm going to make a decision to live in light of that aspect of God's goodness. And here's the thing you need to do, because I, I, I read the Bible every day, but I don't always really get it. So we need to read it and we need to let it go from here to here, from the head to the heart. Let it go from that place of knowing, that place of seeing and recognizing to that place of having it for yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Receiving. 
until you really believe it, until you really say, man, God has redeemed me from death. Because when you will grasp that, then you go and you do step two. You're gonna let that flow through you, shine out of you to everyone that you meet. You're gonna share Jesus with a smile because you're gonna be armed with the incredible weapon of the knowledge of what God has done in your life. The amazing grace and goodness of God pouring out of you. Taste and see that the Lord is good.